it's a great day to be here. Uh, we're going to continue on in our series and talking through about the life of Job. And, and this morning, uh, I think the story of Job is so important for us to kind of talk about because of the fact that it helps us understand uh, pain and suffering. And, and we will all go through hard times, difficult moments in our life. Um, and we, life gets messy, right? Life can get tricky, messy at times. I had one of those messy moments this week. Um, I, uh, my daughter, Jada, she uh, turned two on Thursday. And, um, and then uh, on Wednesday night, uh, we have Fuse, okay? And so Fuse, we get to hang out with your students. I love doing that. I love being able to do that. And uh, after Fuse on Wednesday night, I started getting Jada ready for bed. She, we got home late. And so, and we also, in the middle of all this, we got a puppy, a um, little miniature schnauzer. And then uh, we, we also, Rachel's been, was working really hard on getting uh, this, our Jada's second birthday party, Thing ready to go. She's been working really hard on it. And so we get home after Wednesday night, uh, getting ready, Jada ready for bed, getting her PJs, and I'm holding her and just telling her I love her, telling her, you know, just talking to her for a little bit. And it's like this sweet moment, you know, I'm looking at her, I'm like, this is the last time she's going to be one. And then I'm going to put her in her bed and I put her down, I tuck her in. That's kind of a fun thing now. And, and I'm like enjoying this moment. Um, meanwhile, I, I turn and take a step and I'm in bare feet and I step down right onto um, a nice miniature schnauzer's mess and it sticks to the bottom of my foot. Um, and that's, I'm like this sweet on it, like great moment just got interrupted and then I'm annoyed, I'm a little irritated. And that was and like the next day I'm laughing about it. I think it's kind of humorous. And, um, and it's funny because like that's, that was just the one little thing in my week, but it, it's not really that big of a deal, right? And that's not really that bad. And if we're completely honest this morning, there's some of you walking into church this morning and you're carrying some really heavy stuff. Like there's a moment maybe in this week or, or you came into church this morning and you're going, I don't know how I'm going to continue on. Maybe it was uh, not this week, but maybe in your life. You've had the, the, this, this experience where you're, you just don't know how to continue on. You've hit rock bottom. See, I, I, I don't know necessarily how you're, how that feels necessarily. I, I can't complain. I've been nothing but blessed in my life. But some of you, you have gone through some real things, some real pain. And then it comes to the story of Job. And I, I think we all can look at the story of Job and we can all relate to the story of Job. That's why I think it's so important for us to look at it and talk about it. In the story of Job, it starts off God calling Job blameless and, and then his life turns upside down. He loses his kids. He loses his wealth. He loses his health. He's not just in physical pain. If you remember last week, uh, he, was, he has boils all over his skin and he takes this broken piece of pottery and he's just scraping down his skin. He's in physical pain. 
but he's in emotional pain. He's in psychological pain. He's hurting. And it's what we also talked about last week is his friends, they hear about Job and hear about his loss. They hear about his kids. Like friends, they, they, they just come to his side, right? They come to him and they, and they just want to mourn with him. And so they, can, they join in mourning with Job for seven days. They sit in complete silence with Job. And then after seven days of just sitting there mourning together, Job finally says something. He speaks. And this is where we're at in the story where Job says, and, and just kind of give us a, 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 just answer this question really fast. We're going to go through a, a ton of this book of Job today. And, and so stick with me. We're, I'm going to like here, I'm just going to read several verses just to kind of sum up what Job's saying. But that's what we're going to do a lot this morning, just to kind of get the whole idea of what is happening in the story. So Job, he says, after not sitting there for seven days in complete silence, Job speaks and says, let the day perish on which I was to be born and the night which said a boy is conceived. Later he goes on, he says, why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb and expire? Or, or like a miscarriage, which is discarded, I would not be as infants that never saw the light. Why is light given to him who suffers and life to the bitter of soul who long for death, but there is none and dig for it more than hidden treasures? Maybe you know exactly how Job's feeling, right? Right here. Job has hit rock bottom. He's coming out of, of sitting there mourning his losses. And he speaks and he just goes, maybe it would just be better off if I wasn't even here. Maybe it would be better off if I was dead. I don't know how I'm going to continue on tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to continue on today. He's hit rock bottom. He's struggling. He's in pain. And, and while he's re saying this, what we know from several chapters later is that Job is, is being eaten by maggots. And probably when he has scraped his skin with a broken piece of pottery and his, and his wounds are now open, probably flies have laid their larvae and probably he's now being eaten, not just from the maggot, but eaten from inside out. He's in pain, physical pain, but he's, he's sitting there mourning the loss of his kids. He's hit rock bottom. He's just going, I don't know how to continue. And Job, as he's speaking all of this, his friends are looking at him and going, they, they, they're in their care and they're out of their love for Job. They're going, I don't want Job to be feeling like this. And so they speak. After sitting, just sitting with Job for seven days in silence, they hear Job's talk and now they go, okay, now it's our turn to speak. And after they talk, and this is the main portion of, of Job, the, most of Job is just this conversation between Job and his friends. And, and it's kind of interesting that later on in Job, in Job 16, Job, after hearing his friends speak, the guys who are trying to comfort him, offer him a little bit of some sympathy. Job says this to him in verse 2 of 16, I have heard many such things. Sorry, comforters, are you all? 
Job's like, you guys are miserable friends, miserable comforters. You guys stink at this. You stink at being good friends. You're awful at it. Why is Job saying to his friends who are trying to help Job, why is he saying, you guys are awful? You're not good at this. Why is he saying that? It's because the friends, when they speak, they make two mistakes. When his friends start to speak, they make two mistakes. The first one is this. They come into this conversation with the wrong assumption. They come into this with an assumption that Job must have done something really, really bad in order for all this to happen. They're looking at all of Job, what has happened in his life, and they're going, you had to take God off. There's, that, that, that's the only explanation behind what has had, had to, what's happened here. You've had to make God mad. Job, you have to be getting disciplined by God. Listen to Eliphaz, one of the friends, who says this, Behold how happy Job is the man who God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he inflicts pain and gives relief. He wounds and his hands also heal. Don't, don't despise God's discipline, Job. He, this is his answer. How did Job, how do you continue? How do you move forward? Don't despise God's discipline, Job. And, and as, a, as a statement alone about God, these, this is what Eliphaz says is true. As a statement about God, God is just. God disciplines those he loves that God also can heal great things, great things about God. But in this moment, because they're coming in, taking this truth about God, and they're coming in with this assumption that Job must have done something wrong, and they're trying to apply those two together, they misapply it to Job's life. They, they misapply this truth because Job isn't being disciplined by God, right? Job, God calls him blameless in the first chapter. God, God, God's bragging about his reputation in the first chapter. Job's not being disciplined by God. But his friends, they, that, that's the, the assumption they're coming in with. And then the second mistake is they try to rebuke Job. They try to correct Job. Eliphaz, he, he goes, remember now, how, remember now whoever perished being innocent Who's ever perished being innocent? Or where were the upright destroyed? According to what I've seen, in my own personal opinion, Job, my, my own personal, what, what I've seen, Job, those who plow iniquity, those who do wrong, and those who sow trouble, they harvest it. That's, that's even sometimes the way we think, right? That's the way we think if you do right, you're going to prosper. You're going to do have your life is everything in your life is going to go great. If you do wrong, of course, of course, your life is going to suffer. And, and is that true in some circumstances? Absolutely. But is that always true? No. But sometimes that's how we try to deal with pain and suffering. That's how, sometimes how we try to handle it. We think somebody else is going through pain and it's pretty drastic. It's pretty crazy. They must have done something really bad. That's what his friends are doing. They're coming in with this wrong assumption, then trying to correct Job based off of that wrong assumption that he's done something wrong. 
And this is what Bildad, listen to what he does. He says, they come with different approaches. Bildad says, if your son sinned against him, then he delivered them into the power of their transgression. He's saying, Job, your sons, the reason they're gone is because they sinned against God and they kind of got what they got deserved. Like, here's a guy who's mourning over his sons and this is what Bildad is trying to tell him. Your son's done something wrong. Now you, you, you lost them because of that. Zophar, he goes on, he says, if iniquity is in your hand, Job, put it far away and do not let wickedness dwell in your tents, in your hearts, Job. Don't let wickedness be in your heart. Then indeed you could lift up your face without moral defect and you would be steadfast and not fear. Job, just admit it, man. Just admit what you have done wrong. Just tell us. Just let it out. You, you've done something, Job. Just say it already. Have at it. Tell us what you did. This whole thing can be just, it just can come to a close. You can move forward just by admitting what you've done. All they're doing as they're talking and they're, at, they're adding insult to injury. And this is why Job, he goes on and he says in chapter 6, he says, Do you intend to reprove my words, correct my words, when the words of one in despair belong in the wind? It's like, hey, are you just trying to, are you correcting me of what I said out of my pain, out of my hurt? Like in that moment, when he's crying out to God and going, I don't know if I can continue another step. I don't know how to go on at all. It just might be better off if I was dead. Job's like, those aren't, those aren't statements that I believe. That wasn't what I was crying out. There were statements of me just trying to find relief in that moment. That's why he's saying they're just wind. They're just, they're, in that moment, I'm just crying out because of my agony, because of the pain that I'm feeling in the moment. And so when his friends step in and try to correct Job on this wrong assumption, they just add salt to this wound that Job already has. This man who is mourning, struggling, in pain, finds himself being more damaged because of his friends. And it tells us something, right? It tells us something about the way we should interact with someone who is hurting. We got to be careful of the words that we use, the way we talk. And it, it doesn't mean that we can never talk. That's the correct answer. Because Elihu, another friend, steps in at the later part of the book, the, the book of Job, and, and Elihu comes in and actually encourages Job. He encourages him rather than discouraging like his other friends have done. Elihu steps in and actually says, Job, I, I believe those other guys, the other three, they're, they're wrong. And then he goes on and he tells them a bunch of stuff about God, about God's character. Truths about God. But he never tries to take those truths and apply them to Job's life. He's just saying, here's things that are true about God. And that, what that does for Job is it encourages him. But what his friends, these other three friends do, they discourage him. They ended up hurting Job even more. 
It's why it's important why we use our voice to try to help people. We got to be careful. But it also is, it points to us is that we are all vulnerable of the voices speaking to us. Maybe you heard of Generation Z, Gen Z. Um, it's now our young adults and our, our teenagers mainly. Um, and they, that generation, they're actually right now the highest recorded ever in leading in anxiety, worry, and depression. And I, and I believe there's a reason behind that. And, and one, if you keep, continue looking at the stats, um, that one third of that generation says they go to church. One third, which is the lowest ever. So obviously in our, in our country, we're, we're moving further and further away from God. And, and we see that in our younger, our younger people that they're suffering. As that we, as a, as, a, as a world, as a country, we move away from God, our younger people are suffering. But I also believe it's because of the fact that they are so many voices competing for their life. Just like social media, and, and we know this, because we can leave church today and we could have a great time this morning at church. We could be happy, we could go home. We could get on Facebook for five seconds. Facebook can change our mood just like that, Right? We, we get online, we see something political, we see something wrong with our world, we see something wrong in our country, and it, we can leave discouraged, we can leave, leave annoyed, we can leave worried, we can leave fearful, we can leave anxious. It, it, like I'm listening off all these things that sometimes we just leave coming out of social media yeah, alone a conversation, but think about those words. Those, are, those words are not of God. Like, think about this verse. Like, we are not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of love, power, and a sound mind, right? As a follower of Christ, that, that's what defines us, not, not fear. But we could turn on a social media for five seconds and we could leave with fear because, you know, we're done in that moment. We have no longer listened to the voice of God the truths that God is telling us, we have now listened to the voice of the world. And it can happen with the, at work. The voices, the people around us, it can happen with our friends and our family. The voices that are trying to speak into our life, obviously the friends, because Job's friends are trying to speak into his life and it ends up pushing him away from God. It can happen with what we watch what we listen to, and in our free time, what we're reading. The voices that we allow to compete in our life matter, and the voices, we have to be careful, we have to be on guard that the voices do not start to drown out the voice of God in our life. We have to be careful not to silence the voice of God in our life. We have to be on guard because if we aren't on guard, the shift can happen in our life, there's a shift that can happen where we could be worshiping God, praising God. Today, we could be worshiping God, praising God. We could be thanking God for all the blessings that happen in our life. And then something horrific happens in our life and voices, people start, start to speak into our life of trying to explain and trying to come understand why you're going through what you're going through. And a shift can happen in our life. It happens in Job's. A shift takes place, and it's interesting to me that it doesn't happen after Job loses his kids. 
What's the first thing Job does when he loses his kids? In mourning, he turns to God and he worships God. He doesn't question him in that moment. He worships him. And when he lost his wealth, his health, he stills praising God. He's still drawing near to God. But when his friends begin to speak things into his life, it causes there to be a shift in Job where he was the blameless guy described by God in the first chapter. And then he becomes, begins to start blaming God. Here, listen to what Job says. He says, in his anger towards God, because he was hearing about this justice from his friends. Hey, God is just, God is just. And he does not, he, so if you're going through all this, it must be because you've done something wrong, Job. And Job's going, I've done nothing wrong. This is their conversation, actually their argument for chap, after chapter after chapter after chapter for most of the book. Job's describing his innocence and, and describing his integrity. And now all of a sudden it switches in their mind. The shift takes place in his mind where he goes, okay, I am innocent. That must mean though, God is no longer good. And so he turns to God in his anger, in his un not understanding, turns to him and says to him, you have become cruel to me. You, with the might of your hand, you persecute me. Let, and then later on, he goes on, he says, let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. God, what I'm facing doesn't kind of match up to the way I've, I've pursued you in my life. I, I shouldn't be facing this much difficulty, this much hardship in my life. It doesn't add up. Then he goes on, he goes, oh, that I had one to hear. Behold, here's my signature. Let the Almighty answer me that the indictment which my adversary has written. Job sits back. Blameless Job begins to blame God and then he, he, he comes out and challenges God. Challenges God. He's like, God, I want my day in court with you. Like what is happening here? Write down your accusations. Write what I've done wrong. I want my day in court. I want a fair trial because if there was a trial, I think I have a case against you, God. That's the way Job is describing it. And it's, it's, not, it's not a why God of trying to understand and trying to draw near God. It's not a why, God, I don't understand why this is happening, why this happened or the, the pain that I'm feeling, why? It, it's, not, it's not a sincerity. It's not a humbleness trying to understand the pain you're going through that Job is describing. It's an anger that Do Job is describing. Where he, it's like your, your teenager coming to you and, and questioning your authority and going, why do I have to be home at 1030? Why is this the rule? It's questioning your authority. Job is sitting back and questioning God's authority saying, God, you have no right to allow my life to be going like this. Job, the guy who was blameless again, he's blaming God. The guy who is worshiping God in the worst day of his life has changed, has, has taken a shift, and now he's challenging God. Right, my 
Jada, my two-year-old, um, one time when I recently came home, uh, she's kind of getting, you know, she's in that terrible twos, and uh, I came home, and she's watching her cartoon. She has this one horse show spirit that she watches 90% of the time, and it's weird. Um, but we come, I come in, and I'm like, uh, she's sitting on the edge of like the couch, and I, and I come in, and I'm like, hey, Jada, uh, I'm getting down to her level, just trying to talk to her, and, and I just got home from work, just trying to interact with her. She is so focused in. She's like leaning around me, trying to look. And I'm like, and then I'm messing around with her. Like I'm getting in her way on purpose. I think it's kind of funny. And then she looks at me. She stares at me. She just goes, move away. And I'm like, what two-year-old just says that? Um, but I, I, I was like shocked. And it took me totally off guard. But it was not, it's just, she's just like, God, dad, I don't, I don't care. You're, you're just go. It, it was, she was in that moment trying to push me away because the, the thing that she wanted to see is the TV. But when we go through difficulties, there's one or two things that we do. We either draw near to God or we try to push him away. And, and Job, even though he was drawing near and drawing near to God, in this moment, in the very beginning, the shift takes place because he wasn't on guard. The voices came into his life. He stopped listening to the voice of God. He started listening to other voices. And now he's, he has this shift take place where he's challenging God. Challenging his authority. What Job really wants to understand is why is he going through, why, what's the point, what's the purpose behind it, this all? Because if we understand the purpose behind the pain, it doesn't mean it, it's, it's easier or we enjoy it, but it, it might mean that, right? It might mean we can go through the pain and, and somewhat go, well, it was worth it. Because if, uh, if you have a baby, ladies, Birth is not a, a, a glorious thing. The pain of it is not glorious. But the end result, you holding your child, your daughter, your son, you can see the pain and go, it was worth it. The, the working out. You can even find joy in the pain of working out and leave it and go, it was worth it because of the fact that I get to be healthier. I get to be more in shape. We're an addict. They can go through the pain of withdrawals because they see the end result. They see the end goal of being, having sobriety as being worth the pain. So, so it's not necessarily the pain that we have an issue with. It's the purpose behind it. And so we, we have to be on guard because of the voices, but we also have to be on guard because of we, some, we won't un, necessarily understand why we are going through what we're going through. And so we have to un, be on guard to understand that when we don't understand, God has a purpose. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. God is working all things, everything, not some things, everything for the good, not according to your pain, but according to God's purpose, his purpose. 
And so when you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through, when you feel like I cannot take another step today, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I don't get this. Draw near to God. And you're not, you're in your, your, your lack of knowledge of what is happening and your, your lack of understanding, trust in him that even in the worst day of your life that God has a purpose, that he has a plan, draw near to him. Be on guard of the voices that we allow to enter our life. Draw near so you can hear God's voice present in your life. Draw near when you don't understand because God has a purpose. And when we draw near to him, it's like James says, consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When we draw near to God in the worst day, it is us putting our full trust in him, saying, I, I, I can't move forward today. I don't know how to continue today, but I'm trusting in you. And when you do that, you, God builds a strength in our faith, produces a strength in our faith as we continue to draw near to him. And pain and suffering, when we go through those, we draw near to God. And as we do that, through his strength, he helps us withstand the storm that we are going through. It's not through our strength that we're going to get through. It's through his. This is why in Romans, Romans 8, 37, it says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We can overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, through his power, we can overly, overwhelmingly, it's not even a question if we can conquer it, if we can win today, if we can move on today, if we can move past the past, we can overwhelmingly conquer. Not through us, through him. It's because it's the same power who raised Jesus from the dead if we have decided on Jesus, is now living inside of us. And it's not our power, it's his power. It's his strength that we can move forward. And so as we draw near to God through his strength, you can move forward today. You can move forward this week. You can still worship God in the middle of your pain. You can, you can overcome this valley. Not on your strength, but on Christ, on God's strength who strengthens you. And maybe that's what you needed to hear this morning. Maybe it was that you, in the middle of whatever you're going through, that God cares about you, he loves you, he's asking you to draw near to him. And through you drawing near to him, as you're feeling, maybe you walked in this room this morning, that I, I don't know how I'm going to continue on today or this week. That it can be encouragement to you as you draw near to him, as you continue to worship him through your pain, through your suffering. You can leave victorious. You can win. You can overcome it. 
But we still have to be careful that, the, that we don't allow the shift to happen in our lives, in our hearts. Even though, again, we could be worshiping right now or in a second we continue to worship, we can worship right now when, when something happens in our life, something tragic happens. We have to be on guard that, so that the shift can't happen. So we, 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 we take our offense and we, we're on guard so that the fact that we are careful of the voices that we are allowed to speak in our life, we, we draw in, we cut through the noise and focus in on God's voice, his truth for our life. And we're on guard when we don't understand what is happening because God has a purpose. And we're on guard because through his strength, not ours, we can withstand what we are facing. And maybe you're sitting back and you're going, oh, Luke, I, I hear what you're saying. But I'm angry. I don't want to draw near to God. I'm angry. I'm mad about what's happened in my life. I'm hurting. One, I would say, draw near to him. But if you're feeling that way, Job's feeling exactly the same way you're feeling. Job's angry. He's mad. He's questioning God. That's why you need to come back next week. Because next week, God answers in the midst of a whirlwind, as Scripture uses, or a tornado, God speaks to Job. God has been silent the whole entire time, and now God finally speaks to Job, and he tells Job, get ready for what I have to say to you. So I challenge you to come back next week. Hopefully you get encouraged as the story kind of comes to a close and God speaks. It's an incredible what God starts, what he says to Job and, and the way he kind of talks. It's just an awesome uh, few ver chapters there. And, and then, but if we're sitting here this morning, my, my, what I would challenge us to do this morning is draw near to him. In the middle of your un not understanding what's going on, draw near to God and worship him in the midst of your pain because through his strength, you can withstand the storm that you're facing. If you guys would, stand with me and let's pray. Dear and Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come this morning and worship you. And Lord, for so many maybe in this room or some in this room that they've walked in and they're just carrying a heavy burden, Lord, Lord, I pray that they can hear your voice, voice is just asking them to draw near to you. One that's saying for them to cast their worry, their anxiety, their, their hurts upon you because you care for them, because you love them, Lord. And Lord, I pray for us this morning that we are on guard as followers of Christ because we want to draw near to you and, and in the midst of our life, if we ever go through anything difficult, Lord, that we are trusting in you through that storm, knowing through your strength that we can withstand it, Lord. Lord, we love you, we praise you. In your name, amen.